0: we do this every Easter is we pass out a survey card, and on that card, we ask you if you could hear any message on any particular topic, what would it be? So we pull everybody, and then we take the five top most asked questions, and we base all of our sermon series around that. So the question that I'm going to answer today was asked by more than 75% of you. Um, So And it's the question of this, how do I hear God's voice? How many of you have ever asked that question? How do I hear God's voice? Um, And it's a legitimate question because the truth is a lot of us are facing some big decisions that we have to make. Now, let me just give you a little bit of comfort and quickly share with you a story in the Old Testament. At one time, there's a story of a a boy named Samuel and a priest named Eli. And Samuel is actually laying in his bed and he hears this voice call out his name so he runs to Eli's room and he says hey Eli did you call me and he says no I didn't call you go back to bed so how many know first of all that'd be a little spooky <laughs> some voice screaming out your name so he lays back in bed and he hears the same voice again so he runs back into Eli's room and he says listen are, are you calling me he says no I did not call you Go back to bed. It's kind of like your children. If you come in this room one more time while I'm trying to sleep, right? So he hears the voice again, and he goes back, and Eli looks at him with some wisdom, and he says, hey, I think the Lord is trying to speak to you. Now, how many know, the reason I share this story is because even though Samuel heard the audible voice of God, he still could not distinguish who it was. So that should give us some comfort. You know, because we live in a world where there's all this static, there's all this noise, there's all these things vying for our attention. And if we're quite honest, we're living in a culture where we're not creating time and space to be able to meet, connect, and be able to hear the voice of the Lord. Now, let me clarify a few things. When I say, how do we hear the voice of the Lord? I'm not specifically talking about the audible voice of God. Like there are multiple ways, and we'll dive through this, but there are multiple ways that you can hear God speaking to you. And so that's what I want to try to answer this morning, kind of give you a litmus test and how can we can distinguish and determine how we're actually hearing God's voice. So before we do that, let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful for who you are. God, I just pray that however we walked in here, whatever we're battling, whatever we're facing, God, maybe some of us are facing some really critical, big issues in our life, and we need to make a decision, and we need to know what you want for our life. God, I just pray that you would give us clarity. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, how many know the older that you get, the decisions that you make are more crucial, right? So when you were younger, it was like, do I go play at this park or this park? Right Or maybe as you get a little bit older, do I get crispy or do I get grilled? It's always crispy, right? And But the, as you get older, the decisions have more ramifications for the decisions that you make. So it's like, do I marry this person? Do I move to this city and start this career? Do I buy this house? Do I rent this house? And we have these big questions. It's called adulting, right? Like, what do I do? How many of you know, like, As a kid, you can't wait to grow up, and then when you grow up, you wish you could be a kid again. Anybody ever? It's like you look at your children, and you're like, man, you have it so easily. Food just magically appears in the pantry, and you eat all of it, right? But the older that we get, the decisions become more complicated. We're faced with, like, do I stay? Do I leave? What do I do? Do I move? Do I go? Do I buy a dog? Do I buy a cat? Let me just set you free. Always buy a dog. Cats are of the enemy, okay? In Greek mythology, they were the guardians of the underworld, so it just shows they are demons in the form of a fur. I'm highly allergic to them, so I hate them. Anyway, um, I feel like God just wants me to go into this. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So a lot of us go through life asking, how do I hear God's voice to make these crucial decisions? How many of you have ever been faced with a decision and you don't know what to do? And you go, God, I need to hear you. And then God's silent. You're like, God, this is not how it works. I need an answer, right? As we get older, the decisions become more complicated and we need this question to be answered. But before we answer it, I want to set the table with this, what John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow. Now, it's so important to start here and build the foundation on answering this question with this text because I want you to understand something. If you do not belong to the Lord, you are not going to hear his voice. See, there is a difference between believing and belonging. Everybody in southwest Louisiana believes in God. (laughs) Most of us do. My dad used to make a joke all the time. You could show up at a bar and say you don't believe in Jesus, and three people would beat you up, right? Like most of us around here believe in the Lord, but do we belong to him? Are we submitted to him? Do we follow his ways? I I don't know about you, but I read the Bible and there's things that I don't like. (laughs) There's things I don't personally agree with, but at the end of the day it goes, okay, God, how does this fit in your world? So I want you to understand it's going to be muddy, it's going to be clouded, and you're going to have a lot of static in hearing God's voice if you don't belong to him. But here's the good news. Jesus says that any of you would make a decision to come to Him in this moment, in this day, that you could be born again just like that. See, the greatest news of the gospel is this that it's that simple. Especially in our culture, we've overcomplicated it. You know, to get into heaven, we have 50,000 different steps. But according to the New Testament, Jesus says, just believe in me in this day and follow me. That's it. Like, the beauty of the gospel is that it's that simple. So I want to encourage you in here, and this is I don't say any of this to shame anybody, but if that's you today and you're like, I've never made that decision, we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to make that decision. But here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you a whole list of practicals on how we can hear the voice of the Lord, but I want to touch on some theological stuff first because I think that this is going to build out some of the practicals, and we have to really know how God operates before we can understand how to hear His voice. Because how many of you know God just operates differently than we do? He looks at things differently than we do. In Isaiah, it says his thoughts and his ways are so much higher than ours that it's impossible for us to even understand. See, as soon as you think that you've understood the Lord, he's on something else, right? So he just thinks differently than we do. So three theological things real quick, okay? Number one, God works in a sovereign way, meaning the sovereign will of God. So here's what this means practically. What is God doing on the earth? So let me put it to you plainly. Let me give you an example. There are things that God is already a part of that sometimes we just need to be a part of. So God is already and will always be a part of taking care of the orphans and the widows. God is always gonna be a part of his church, a church that is life-giving and thriving. And so if you're asking the question today, well, like, I don't feel like I'm in the will of God. I don't feel like I can hear the voice of God. One of the things that you can do is get involved with his sovereign will, meaning that he's already involved in something. So you need to involve yourself with it and it will become blessed because God's already working in that. This is why church is so important. So you look at church and you go, okay, God's already working in this. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. Obviously, God is on this. So how do I get involved with what God is already doing? Because here's what we do most times. Instead of getting involved with what God is already doing, we silo off to ourselves and say, God, please bless this. I'm not saying that's always bad. But if you're struggling, distinguishing and determining the voice of God, we need to get involved with his sovereign will going, God, you're already in this. You're already moving in this life group. You're already moving in this church. You're already moving in whatever it may be, and I just need to be a part of that. But let me also tell you that God will never contradict his will. God is always up to something, and sometimes when he's up to something, it doesn't really feel like he's up to something. It seems like he's up to disraveling your life, right, or unraveling your life. It seems like he's up to causing you all type of pain. The easiest way to understand God's will for my life is to understand God's will and how he operates in our world. So that's the sovereign will of God. The second thing is the moral will of God, meaning this. What has God already said in his word? Now, I said this in the first service, but a lot of us base our entire faith. Think about this for a moment our entire faith on a book we don't read. So we base our entire belief system following and loving Jesus, and we've never read the words of Jesus. Now, I'll be honest with you. How many, and I don't say, yet again, I'm not saying this to shame you. Some of us open the Bible, and we see in the Old Testament, like, you know, Somebody having 47 wives, and you're like, how does that make sense, right? Or you look at, flip over at another chapter, and -and so-and-so murdering so-and-so, and and you're like, how does this apply to my life? Here's what you have to learn to do when we read the scriptures. You have to be able to open it and say, I'm not reading this for anybody else other than myself. So it's creating some time and space to go, God, I'm reading this so that you can speak to me. I'm not reading this for my spouse. I'm not reading this for my friend. I'm not reading this for my brother. I'm reading this so that you can do heart surgery on me. And I have to be careful uh, with this as a pastor. Because sometimes it's easy for me to flip open the Bible and I need a sermon. I need a message. i got to counsel this person. What do I tell them? But we always have to remember when we open the scriptures. And can I just be honest with you? There are going to be, and we'll talk about this in a moment, there are certain issues in the Bible that are black and white, and then there are certain issues in the Bible that are just gray. <laughs> like God doesn't really directly answer the question, which is why it's so important to create time and space with him, because the closer that you get to him, the easier you will be able to dis- distinguish his voice and his will for your life. And here's what I want you to know. God will never contradict his word, Ever. He will never contradict. He will never go against his word. He's not a liar. He doesn't go back on things. So I would start with the sovereign will of God, the moral will of God, and then this is the question that all of us are asking. But how do I know the personal will of God? Meaning this, how do I know God's will for my life so I can hear his voice? You ever wake up in the morning and just go like, what is my purpose here on this earth? Like, what has God created me and designed me to do? This is the question that everybody in here is asking. So for me, four years ago, we felt the tug. Okay, I feel like God is calling us, my family, to move to Crowley and start a church. Now, do I know with 100% certainty that that is exactly what God wants me to do? I don't think we have 100% certainty with anything, (laughs) But I sought counsel, I read the word, I said, okay, God, I think this is what you're calling us to do. But here's what I want you to understand. The more that you get connected with God, the more the static and the noise of this world begins to dissipate and the easier it becomes to hear his voice. So let me explain it to you like this. In in all of my kids' rooms, we have these ginormous wind tunnel fans. And we do it so that they can sleep, and if mom and dad get up early, they don't hear us coming, and then they all wake up. Right. So what are we doing? We're trying to drown out every noise of everything else that's going on, any rogue barking dog, right, or anything that would come and try to wake our kids up at 5 in the morning. So we put this huge wind tunnel fan on. and It's so loud that when you walk in there to talk, you have to turn it off. This is what connecting with Jesus should look like. The reason that a lot of us cannot hear the voice of God, we can't distinguish the will of God for our life, is because we have not created time and space to be able to hear from him. So sometimes the most beneficial thing that you can do with the Lord is to read the word, pray, and then be quiet. Be patient and just allow him to speak to you. And yet again, it may not be an audible voice. It may just be an inclination that you feel inside of going, you know what? I have a piece about that decision. So before I give you the practical implications, I want to ask you two questions. Number one, what am I doing that I should not be doing? As a Christian, it is so important for you to ask this question regularly. Is there something in my life that is blocking me from being able to hear the voice of God? Like deep down, I think all of us have this moral compass that God has given us specifically, if you're a follower of Jesus, called the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that when you make that decision, can you sleep at night? (laughs) Or does it keep you up? Do you wrestle with it? Is there something that you're doing that you should not be doing? The second question is this. What am I not doing that I should be doing? Is there something that God has constantly reminded me of that I need to do, that I just haven't taken the time to do or procrastinated it or pushed it off because it's going to be hard, it's going to be painful? Is there something in your life that is possibly blocking you from being able to hear the voice of the Lord? Because maybe God's tugging you, maybe he's pulling you. It could be as simple as, hey, go talk to your neighbor. It could be as simple as, hey, maybe this, whatever, where you're at in your life right now, this is not where I want you, and you know that you need to move on to some other place. What is it? So let's get practical for a moment. Before we do, let's read 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Because this is, this is going to set up, this, this is gonna set up the, all the practical implications of how you can distinguish and hear God's voice. It says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit... But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So this is how you're going to learn to hear the voice of God. What the scriptures is telling us is that we've got to set up this litmus test in our life to filter every decision through, specifically major decisions. And I'm not talking about should you eat a burger or not, okay? But like big, major decisions in your life. When it, the scriptures actually tell us we need to test them, we need to discern them, we need to think about them, we need to get counsel for them, and then we make a decision. Because how many of you know sometimes when a decision comes right in front of you, sometimes in that moment, it seems like the best decision? And then in hindsight, you go, that was the worst decision I ever could have made, right? I look back on some of my, my younger days of going, man, this is exactly what I need. This is exactly what I want to do. And then 10 years you know, later, I'm like, man, that was stupid. <laughs> I should have never done that. So, I want to give you a litmus test this morning to be able to filter all of this stuff through. The first question to ask yourself is this Am I in right relationship with God? A better way to say it was Are you making decisions in your life based off of hurt, envy, jealousy, shame, or pride? Or are you making them because you feel like God's leading you to do so? See, a lot of us, without even thinking, without even realizing, we enact certain decisions because we want revenge. <laughs> or we enact certain decisions because our shame tells us that you're not good enough to walk into that next season so we recoil. Or we don't do particular things because we got burned in a previous relationship and the reason that we hold out on all the other ones is because we experience pain. But the truth is, if your relationship with Jesus is not right, all of your major decisions will suffer. And you'll end up, here's the dangerous part, you end up making decisions based off of, this is so dangerous, based off of the popular opinion. So you make a decision not because it's the decision you want to make, and it's not the decision that God wants you to make, it's the decision that everybody else around you is telling you that you should make. I don't know about you, but the lowest that I've ever been at in my life is when I'm not living for myself, but I'm living for the opinion and the applause of man. (laughs) of going, well, I'm only doing this because this is what everybody else wants me to do. We've said it here a thousand times, the greatest way to forget what God thinks about you is to be more concerned with what others think about you. So am I in right relationship with God? See, if you're facing a major decision, you need to stop for a moment, create some space, and I think it's healthy to do this every now and then. Evaluate everything in your life. So maybe sitting down and going, okay, this is where I'm at, God. Here's where I'm not at peace. Here's where I'm at peace. Here's where I feel your presence, and here's where I feel your distance. And it's beginning to evaluate, why do I feel distance in this area? Maybe there's something in our life that's just not going well, because maybe it's not God's will for your life. Romans 12, 2 puts it this way. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now watch this. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life, that he's his good, pleasing and perfect will. So once you belong to the Lord, you're creating time and space to connect with the Lord. It says now you can discern and test and approve what God's will for your life is. And this is just a little add-on, but God's will for your life is always good. Always good. Can I tell you why it doesn't feel good sometimes? Because God enacts things in your life for your good, but at the time it doesn't feel good. Right? Now, the truth is, I think the reason that we make decisions so quickly, specifically in our culture, is because we're creating a culture that is so impatient with everything. So some of the guys and I were talking, but Amazon right now is testing in California a drone delivery service for your packages. Okay, so you can buy an item and have it delivered to your door with a drone in about an hour. Depending on where you live, some of it will be like 30 minutes. This is, this is crazy, right? We are living in a culture that does not want to wait for anything. Here's what I want to tell you. God doesn't work that way. He just doesn't work that way. God works through suffering, pain, waiting. Why? Because he's enacting his good and perfect will, his sovereign will over your life, and going, listen, I know this doesn't feel good in the moment, but this is going to be good because the person you're going to become is going to be better than the person that you are now. But the good news of the gospel is this. Jesus is not pleased with some future version of you. He loves you right now. So this means that you can come to him where you're at right now and make your relationship right with him. Number two, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Now, let me just throw this out there, okay? When it comes to the Bible... There are particular issues that we would say, okay, the scriptures are very clear on this. And then there are some, to be honest with you, it's very gray. We look at it and we go, well, I'm not too sure what God wants for this in this moment. Like, wouldn't it just be awesome if you could just rip a page out of the Bible and it says, this is how you raise the perfect child. Do this, 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 and this. (laughs) Every parent would be like, give me that piece, right? Wouldn't it be awesome if they had a page like, man, if you want the perfect marriage, do this, 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 and this. If you never want to be hurt or offended, do this, this, and this. God, the Bible doesn't talk about even the process. It says, forgive your brother. But it never talks about what does that process look like? Does forgiveness mean that I forgive them in my heart and that I never see that person again? Or does it mean that I work it out and I forgive them and we try to mend things? Well, what does that mean? There are still gray areas in the Bible. But this is why connecting with the Lord is so important. So that you can begin to discern and distinguish what God wants for you in that moment. I think there's a lot of Christians who live in confusion simply because they don't read the Bible. Because there are some black and white issues. And I hear so many people say, man, I just wish I could hear God. The beautiful news is that you can open up the Bible and begin to read his words and allow God to speak to you. The beauty of technology is it's literally made that process so much easier. I dated myself yesterday. I had my son, so I'm 32, which I don't feel is too old, but he came to me and he goes, hey, Dad, what is this? It was a CD. <laughs> I'm like, wow, we're really getting there. This son was a CD. Used to, back in the day, you would have a CD holder. You would throw all your CDs in the case. Your music used to not be all on the phone. You don't know anything and how hard it was to get music back then. If you lost your whole CD case, you lost all your music, Right? Anybody remember that? Like you had this like portfolio of music. This was my burn list. This was my playlist. This was my, you, you, we used to take so much pride in this. The sad news is that's what we've done with the Bible. It's this historic piece, this document, but God says that his words are living and active. This word will never return void and you're going to read things in there that pierce you so deep. That don't make any sense. You're going to read things in there and go, there's no way that God could be good if that's what he wants for me. You're going to read things that stump you, that confound you, that make you angry. I've had moments with the Lord and reading things and I just close it and I'm like, this, I don't like this at all. This doesn't make sense. God, you don't understand people. <laughs> we just be honest for a moment. But here's the truth. God's will for your life, even though it may not feel good sometimes, will always be good. Because even though He doesn't answer you right away, here's what I do know God grows us up not through giving us what we want, but by by putting us through a process. He's not just manufacturing Christians. (laughs) So I'll say it this way God does not want your perfection, He just wants your progress. He doesn't want your perfection. You don't have to be perfect. That's the beautiful news of the gospel. God's saying, just get on the train, jump on, and start making some strides in your relationship. It doesn't mean that everything falls off there right away. He's, like, I just want you on the journey. That's all I want. And slowly and daily, God begins, because he loves you, begins to pick out certain things in your life. Number three, this brings me back to the 90s. WWJD. Anybody remember that? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Remember the bracelets? Anybody wore those? You wore the bracelet? I feel sorry for you. and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the principle of it, of asking ourselves this question, is a genuine question. Why is it a genuine? It's a genuine question because whenever you go to do something in life, put yourself in the shoes of Jesus. What would he do in that moment? Would he retaliate? Would he enact revenge? Would he hold on to envy, bitterness, and jealousy? Or would he walk through a process of forgiveness? Would he look at somebody's lifestyle, and though you don't agree with it, would he shame them, rebuke them, call them out? Or would he say, you know what? I'm going to love them into my kingdom. Jesus says that his kindness draws people to repentance, not us as Christians acting like we're better than everybody else, and we have it all together. So let me just help some of you for some of you maybe you're here you haven't been the church in a long time you're not mad at the church and you're not mad at jesus you're like oh yes i am no you're mad at his people see jesus has never hurt you he's never harmed you he's only had good for you but how you know sometimes people say stupid stuff Sometimes people say stupid stuff and they know nothing about your story. They know nothing about your childhood. They know nothing about how you were raised. They know nothing about what you went through. You're not really mad at the church. You're not really mad at Jesus. You're mad at his people and his Christians. (laughs) So one of the ways that we can help people on this journey is by letting them know we struggle too. And letting them know we don't have to be perfect. We just have to progress That is the entire principle of sanctification, that day by day we should just look a little bit more like Jesus. So watch what James 3, verse 14 through 17 says. But if you harbor bitter, envy, and selfish ambitions in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Watch this. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where, you, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom, watch this, that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. That's what the voice of God sounds like. That's what it looks like. That's patient. It waits. It's sincere. It comes from a pure motive. It's loving. It's full of mercy and good fruit. So that's why we have to run ourselves through this litmus test of what would Jesus do in this moment? Would he make this decision? And I think some of us could probably answer like, no, that's not really Jesus making that decision. I'm making that decision on my own because I'm hurt. Because I don't feel like God's been good to me. or I don't feel like that person is ever going to understand where I'm at. Number four, have I sought godly counsel? This one is so huge. Do you have someone in your life that loves God enough, who's not impressed with you, that can say, what is wrong with you? Or, hey, you should have never done that. Or they can pull you out of a bad spot, a bad headspace. Now, I'm not saying that all the counsel that you're going to get is going to be good counsel. Some of it won't be. But the Bible says that there is a wisdom and abundance of counselors. Now, let me just clear this up for a moment. I'm not saying that we go to other people and then we expect other people to make the decision for us. It's why as a pastor, every single time that I counsel people and people look back at me and say, now what do I do next? I say, I don't know, ask God. (laughs) I'm not going to be God. So at the end of the day, it's pushing people towards you've got to learn to hear the voice of the Lord on your own. I'm going to say something that's going to be a little confusing, but let me explain. I think God's will for your life is whatever you want, as long as it doesn't contradict his will or his principles or his word. God gives you a passion and desire for particular things because that's how he's wired you. So you're passionate about kids, maybe you work with kids. You're passionate about starting a business, God's giving you that desire and he's giving you that passion. And I believe if he's giving you that, that he's going to be with you in it. God gives us certain passions and desires because that's what he wants us to do as long as it doesn't contradict his will or his word. The truth is decisions are much easier to make when we have sought counsel of others. It doesn't mean that we always do what they say but it means that we do consider it. And now this is the importance of having somebody else that maybe has walked with the Lord a little bit longer than you. You know, I tell young married couples all the time, one of the best things that you can do is go find an older married couple that you want to model your marriage after and go have dinner with them. Ask them questions. I'm sure they can tell you stories that would horrify you and go, I'm never getting married. (laughs) Right? They have a lot to give and we have a lot to learn. Because how many know when you're young, you're young and dumb and you think you know everything, right? The Bible says there is a wisdom in the abundance of counselors. Watch what Proverbs 11:14 14 says, for lack of guidance, a nation falls. But many advisors or counselors make victory sure. Number five, this is a big one. Do I sense God's peace? Meaning the decision that you're about to make, can you make it and sleep well at night? Knowing that you made the right, and some of you are like, oh, I know I can sleep well at night. I know they feel good with the revenge <laughs> I enacted on them, right? Meaning, when you make that decision, can you look back 10 years from now and go, God was in that? Or was that your hurt? Was that your pain? And was that your jealousy? Was that your envy? I'll tell you this, it is never, never a good idea to make decisions when you're highly emotional. I can't tell you how many stupid decisions I've made because in the moment I've said something out of anger. In the moment I've said something out of insecurity. See, God's peace comes when you make the right decision. So when you make that decision, can you go, you know what, God is all over this. This is what he wants for my life. This is his will for my life. See, so you can claim peace all you want, but I want you to know you will never truly have the peace of God if you are contradicting his word. Because it says that his scripture is living and it's active. God never goes back on his principles. He never goes back on his sovereign will. Number six, I think this is a big one that we have to learn to distinguish. Is it my will or is it God's will? Because how many of you know sometimes what we want is not necessarily what God wants but here's what I've learned. Sometimes it's just a timing issue. God actually wants what you want, but you're not ready to get what you need. So God goes, you got to walk through the process, and then I'll give it to you. But you're not ready to handle it. It's the same principle. This is crazy. This is a real statistic. 95% of people that win the lottery go bankrupt in two years. They got $104 million, and in two years they have nothing left. Why is that? They got that money and they're like, oh my God. It's like you at taxes, right? (laughs) You went to town, you bought a llama and a donkey and you don't even need one. (laughs) You got a petting zoo in your backyard and then the next week you're eating ramen noodles, right? (laughs) You had a blast with taxes and now you're broke. (laughs) Why why do 95% of them go broke? Because they weren't ready to handle that type of money. They didn't know how to invest it. They didn't know what to do with it. They went buck wild. (laughs) They bought the house, they bought the cars, they bought the vocational homes. They went crazy. Sometimes God will not give you what you want because you're not ready to handle it. He hasn't built the character, He hasn't established the footwork, and you're just not ready to handle what He's about to give you. See, if you want to mature in Christ, you've got to ask yourself this question every single day. God, is it my will or is it your will? Jesus models this for us in the garden. When he says in Matthew 26, 39, he presents his will to the father. He says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. What is he saying? If I don't have to go to the cross and die this horrific death, I'll take the other route. (laughs) Like if there's a way that all this doesn't have to play out, I'm willing to take door B. Then watch what he says. But yet, not as I will, but as you will. I want what God wants, period. Because here's what he knows. At the end of the day, God's will is going to line up with my will. If your will is not lining up with God's will, you're going to end up making decisions that are going to be catastrophic in your life. I'm not saying that you can't ever recover. I'm not saying that God can't redeem it. I'm just saying it's going to be harder. And the only way to truly know the will of God is by living a life that is fully submitted and surrendered to him. And that is going to require you to do things that you're not comfortable with doing, you don't want to do, you're not proud to do. You don't understand why you have to do them. It's the same thing if you parent children. You ever ask your kids to do something? And what do they always respond? Why? 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 It's like, hey, I need you to play in the yard, but don't cross the sidewalk and go on the street. Why? What are you thinking in your mind? Because, dummy, you're going to get ran over by a car. (laughs) It's the same way that it works with God. God sets these boundaries and parameters in our life that sometimes don't make sense. It doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel right. We don't like it. We scream. We buck. We try to fight against it. But God says, listen, I know if you cross over that, you're going to meet something that you're not willing to face. You're not going to be able to face. You're not going to be strong enough to face. I'll close with Luke nine twenty three. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, anyone, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What does that mean? At the end of the day, God wants what you want. But he also wants you to line your will with his. Meaning that there's going to be decisions that you have to make that you don't agree with. But because God is a good father, we put our faith and our trust in him. Knowing that his will, his intentions, and his purposes are good even though it doesn't feel good, even though it doesn't make sense in the moment. So in just a moment, I want to give some of you the opportunity to make that decision. But before we go any further, if you are getting baptized today, you can go ahead and make your way out. If you need to change your clothes, um, you can head out to the tank out there. Can we give them a hand real quick? (laughs) See, at the end of the day, some of the decisions that you're going to have to make, let's just be honest. It's not what you want. It's not what you want. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't even feel like God. But here's what I want you to understand this morning. And my heart genuinely breaks for people that find themselves in this position. Because maybe your entire life, the reason that you have stayed away from fully surrendering and submitting to God is because you don't feel like you're worth it. Like maybe your entire life you didn't have a, a support system and a family system. So maybe you had to fend for yourself. And in the way that the enemy manipulates people into going, well, this is just who you are. This is what you've got to settle for. I want you to know that God has so much for you. I'm not here to force you to make a decision. I'm not even, I can't even make that decision for you. But I do know this. If you're hurting this morning, God breaks, his heart breaks for you. God has compassion for you. He's not angry at you. He's not frustrated with you. He doesn't look at you and go, I can't believe it. He looks at you and says, there's a doorway wide open. And when you're ready to walk through it, I'll be here for you. I'll be here for you. The last thing the last thing that I ever want to do and I will never do. I'm never going to pre- if I preach about God's goodness, kindness and mercy, I don't have to scare you with hell. I don't. You ever grown up in a church where it's like if you don't make the decision you're going to part- you're going to turn and burn, baby. It's like what does that do? Nothing. People end up making decisions based out of fear. Not out of going, oh my God, my my father wants me? With all my mess? Even though what I believe contradicts what he believes, he still cares about me, he still loves me? Absolutely. And maybe today you make that decision to fully submit and surrender to the Lord and God is not casting shame on you for the life that you've lived, for the things that you've done. The coolest thing about God is he's not even going to bring up your history. He doesn't. He doesn't say, okay, you came home, but let's talk about everything you did yesterday. He doesn't do that. Good, you came home, let's move forward. Let's move forward. Maybe you still, this is why church and community is so important, because they're going to help you heal from the past. And they're going to speak truth over you that, no, 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 you're not that person anymore. You don't need to feel shame and guilt for that. It's not who you are so that we can move forward.